welcome to Useful Idiots. I'm Katie Halper. And I'm Mary Mate. How's it going, Katie? I'm well. You know, viewers may know and listeners may know that Tuesday night I had a, uh, a live show. Some people came out to it. Some lovers of Useful Idiots came out to it. Now, Aaron, maybe because I said that he'd maybe be there, didn't want people to be able to find him. So Aaron <laughs> was MIA, but that's okay because another useful idiot represented and allow me to present to you a photographic piece of evidence from last night's uh, live taping of the Katie Helper show with Miko Pellet at the People's Forum. And by the way, we're going to do a live taping of useful idiots. Just wait and see. But here, Wilson, show this vid- show this photo, please. Look at that. So oh, there's Wilson. Hey, there's Wilson. Now, is any that's a photo of me and Wilson at the People's Forum? Does anything stand out to you? Uh, Wilson, you're a tall man. I mean, I, I didn't know that. Tall. I had yeah. no idea. Yeah, I had no idea. So I've known Wilson for two years now, and I just had no idea he was tall. He, I just thought he was an average height heighted man. Is it kind of like catching a photo of Bigfoot? Useful idiots listeners have never actually <laughs> seen me. Yeah, in out in the wild, at least. Yeah, I should make it blurry and be walking. In the, in the background yeah throw down some snow or something but yeah so that was cool so we miss you aaron but we are grateful to all of those who came out yeah it was a great great turnout and i really recommend miko's book uh the general's son uh and as always everybody if you want to go to usefulidiots.substack.com to support us and sign up and get bonus content you get our brand new features uh including the thursday throwdown your midweek dose of media madness where this week we're talking about the World War III scare in Poland, and also some highlights of Trump's uh, underwhelming election kickoff campaign announcing his candidacy for 2024. You also get to ask us questions in the absurd arena, which we'll turn to right now. Let's go to the absurd arena. Wilson, what do we got? So this week, the New York Times posted a story called, For Western Weapons, the Ukraine War is a Beta Test. And useful idiot Imperial Rolls asks, the Ukraine war is a beta test. A beta test for what is the question? WTFF. Yeah, so this is an article in the New York Times, and we can show the headline. For Western weapons, the Ukraine war is a beta test. Though the battle for Ukraine remains largely a grinding artillery war, new advances in technology and training there are being closely monitored for the ways they're starting to shape combat. And what this article basically says is that Ukraine is being basically used as a guinea pig, a testing ground for all these new advanced NATO weapons. And there's even a quote from the New York Times that says this. The test runs in Ukraine are helping senior officials and defense planners in the U.S. and its allies decide how to invest military spending over the next two decades. So, yes, this war in Ukraine has cost tens of thousands of lives global suffering, including higher food prices. But on the plus side, it's helping people in the U.S. and other Western allies figure out how they're going to spend taxpayer money on weapons for the next two decades. Kind of like how Israel tests out weapons on the people of Gaza. This is kind of the same thing. So U.S. taxpayer-funded military tests are being spread around from Gaza now to Ukraine. Is it a beta cook test? (laughs) Yeah, good question. I guess it is. So yeah, listen uh, to uh, that audience member who asked that question. I had the same reaction. That was a weird article. But that just shows uh, how the U.S. views Ukraine, not as an ally, but as a proxy and as a place to test out its weapons. So glad people have their Ukrainian flags out for that reason. 
<laughs> All right. Well, should we get to the four basic food groups? Yes, let's do it. So there's a lot of fake news these days. And one uh, big international incident came uh, this week when Iran was accused of approving a law to, to kill 15,000 protesters. And this is one of the original posts that set this off. This is a tweet from uh, Qasem Rashid. And this is what he says. This is horrifying. The Iranian parliament votes overwhelmingly to execute the 15,000 protesters they already arrested. These were peaceful protesters simply seeking the right to basic justice and autonomy, unacceptable and barbaric. So that's one of the people spreading the initial claim. And there are other headlines to this effect, including in, in Newsweek, claiming that Iran has voted to kill 15,000 protesters. And among the people to spread this news was Ted Lieu, who's a, a Democratic Congress member from California. And this is what he said. The Biden administration should impose immediately all sanctions that are still available on Iran. The U.S. and decent countries around the world need to exert maximum pressure on the Iranian regime now. So that's Ted Lieu, a Democrat, basically uh, endorsing Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo's maximum pressure campaign on Iran, in which the U.S. imposes these crippling sanctions that hurt Iranian civilians, not the regime, because that's the intended target of U.S. sanctions. And on top of, you know, endorsing this barbaric call for cruelty against the Iranian people in the name of protecting them, there's also the problem where this original claim that set all this off was fake. It just wasn't true. And among those who had to uh, acknowledge that, that was Justin Trudeau, who also tweeted something about this, but then had to delete the tweet when it, it emerged that the, the Iranian parliament had not passed a measure calling for the execution of 15,000 prisoners. They had signed a letter, a majority had signed a letter calling for tough punishment of protesters caught rioting, but nobody was calling for their mass execution. So here's the headline from CNN that even Justin Trudeau had to delete a tweet saying this. Canada's Trudeau deletes tweet falsely claiming Iran has sent in sent 15,000 protesters to death. And the thing with, you know, at advocating sanctions is that when you're doing that in the name of targeting the Iranian government, everyone knows that that's not who gets hurt by sanctions. It's the Iranian people. And the reason these sanctions are designed is to inflict suffering on civilian populations so that either uh, they will turn against their government and help the U.S. overthrow them, or They'll just help teach a lesson to the rest of the world that if you live under a disobedient government like Iran or Iran or Venezuela or Syria or Cuba, you're going to face an economic blockade from the U.S. And everyone knows that. And everyone knows the impact on this is on civilians. So here's, for example, what the Wall Street Journal says about the impact of U.S. sanctions on Iran. This is from just last month. U.S. sanctions that target Iran's oil industry and financial sector are the main factor crippling the Iranian economy cutting the country off from the dollar, most economists agree. So according to the Wall Street Journal, most economists agree that U.S. sanctions are the main factor crippling the Iranian economy. And who do you think gets hurt when an economy is crippled? It's not the people the, the, the wealthiest, most powerful, right? <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> not them. By design, it's ordinary civilians. And so Ted Lieu, for calling for this, calling for an intensification of this, and for falling for you know, straight up regime change propaganda and not correcting himself, unlike Justin Trudeau, who at least yeah. did his tweet. I say, Ted Lieu, as a Democrat, you suck. Yeah, wow. When 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 you can take a page uh, from Trudeau, come on, guys, do what Justin did. 
And don't do what Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo do. Which right. Is that's true. Maximum pressure on Iranian civilians. Right. So it's like a double a double suckage. It's getting it wrong. And it's a triple suckage, getting it wrong, not correcting it, and also calling for sanctions as if that's better for civilians who you claim to care about. It's a rare Democrat suck triple axle. Exactly. I was actually going to say that, but I'm yeah. glad you said it. Um, I stole from you subconsciously. Yeah, no, that's great. Maybe I manifested it to, to you. you. Did. I, yeah, yeah. I, I threw it over to you, through the ball into your court. Well, that definitely is a Democrat suck. For Republican suck, I have a kind of much more straightforward Republican suck. Uh, but it still is pretty, it, it is a gem. Uh, let's listen, let's hear what uh, Herschel Walker, who's facing, of course, um, Re Reverend Raphael Warnock in a, in a runoff in the state of Georgia for the Senate. Let's hear what he had to say. I can promise you, Iran, Russia, and they're not talking about trying to charge a tank out in the desert. They're talking about war. And let me tell you this here. If we was ready for the green agenda, I'll raise my hand right now, but we're not ready right now. So don't let them fool you like this is a new agenda. This is not a new agenda. We're not prepared. We're not ready right now. What we need to do is keep having those gas guzzling cars because we got the good emission under those cars. We're doing the best thing that we can, but we need help. We need help. And those other people not helping us, China not helping us, India not helping us, but yet we're going to do it all because they're spending your money. So here's what he said. Um, he's on the campaign trail, obviously. Uh, and he said uh, he told his supporters at a rally that America isn't ready for the green agenda. We're not prepared. We're not ready right now. What we need to do is keep having those ga gas guzzling cars. We got the good emissions under those cars. It's not really clear uh, what he's talking about, but um it's an interesting take. Yeah, always an interesting take from Herschel Walker. Uh, what did Dave Chappelle say about Herschel Walker and his stand-up uh, monologue on SNL this past weekend? He said that Herschel Walker is observably stupid. Yeah. And um, yeah, he certainly says a lot of really interesting things. Really observably stupid things, yeah. And uh, he ties it all together. China, Iran. That's what unites all politicians is they can always link everything back to whatever foreign adversary they want. Right. And um you know, both parties are great at that. Everything's the fault of China or Russia or China and Russia. And sometimes they, they throw in Iran, too, and others. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes yeah. Venezuela or Cuba. Sure. Yeah. Every now yeah. and then. Yeah. And so that's my Republican suck. All right. Well, that's a that's a sucky one. So listen, for isn't that weird? We're going to continue on the Republican suck theme because, um, you know, this was we just had the midterm elections where Republicans suffered some major disappointments. They didn't take the Senate. And you can blame that on Trump-backed candidates, uh, like in Pennsylvania uh, and in Arizona, where uh, Blake Masters was the was the Trump-backed Republican candidate in Arizona. And, you know, I didn't see all these before, but I've had, I've caught some of his, his ads that he put out during the campaign, and they're really weird. So let's, let's check out this one. America isn't just an idea. We're a country, we're a people with a history and a culture. This is the home of Davy Crockett and Daniel Boone, of Mark Twain and Ernest Hemingway, of Norman Rockwell and Chuck Berry. Or how about I can hear the screeching already. That list isn't diverse enough. That's all these people can talk about. But when's the last time you heard NPR talk about American greatness? When's the last time you heard a leftist say anything good at all about our people? 
they don't do it. If it were up to them, we wouldn't even exist. That's why they're obsessed with tearing down statues. I'm Blake Masters. I'm running for the US Senate in Arizona, and I approve this message because I am proud to be an American. You know, Aaron, I think that's a great ad. The only yeah. weird there, the only weird there is that he didn't win. That's what's weird to me. And America <laughs> didn't choose him. Why didn't America choose the guy who, whose token black person was Chuck Berry? In his I was going to say, people? I was going to say, don't sell yourself short on diversity. Chuck Berry brings a lot to the table. <laughs> yeah. I want to know who the people he bleeped out were. Well, it's obviously it's white people. I mean, the whole point is that uh, he's maybe grand wizards or something. <laughs> KKK leaders. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, the whole point of that is to, is to say is to make fun of people who want diversity and they don't honor our people. I mean, our right. people are talking about white people, obviously. Right. right? That's that, that's the message. Uh, but so, yeah, I don't know. That, that's a weird one. And as Very you say, weird. what a shock. You didn't but let's turn to one more where it um, right. talks about the virtues of uh, gun silencers. This is a Walther PPK, otherwise known as the James Bond gun. This is chambered in 22. LR and I've got a dead air mask silencer on it. Uh, I've wanted this gun for a long time, ever since I was a little kid. Made in Germany, 007 gun, why would you not want this? Let's load it up and see how it shoots. Why would you not want it? Silencers sometimes get a bad rap. People want to pretend that it makes it easy to commit crime or something like that. But actually shooting with a silencer just makes it a whole lot more pleasant to shoot because you don't have to worry about giant ear protection. Oh, that's good. Hopefully you can hear how quiet that is. I almost can't hear it. It's so quiet, I can almost not hear it. So I don't know, did anybody from the campaign think to themselves like, okay, we're doing this ad, we're Blake Masters shooting a gun. How is this gonna help him get elected? Who's gonna vote for him because he likes this James Bond gun? Like the James Bond audience? The James Bond Arizona. audience, German enthusiasts. <laughs> People who like German uh, products. <laughs> so much for being America first. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, where's the American gun? Yeah, I mean, it's really actually a globalist ad. He's talking about James Bond, which is a British, right? Uh, a very cosmopolitan British character. Yeah, seriously. And then, you know, firing a German gun. Wow. Yeah. He's a traitor. No wonder he's really he he's, Yeah, this, this is why he lost. He exposed himself as a globalist, not an America right. firster. Right. Yeah. We caught you, Blake Masters. Sorry. We got you. Yeah. Busted by useful idiots. Again, it's so weird that he didn't win. <laughs> All right. So what do we have ads. for Isn't That? So what do we have uh, for Isn't That Terrible? Okay. So for Isn't That Terrible, we have a very terrible story. Um, although, don't worry, it's not as terrible as it as it seems. So uh, reading at the New York Post, uh, they have reading and watching at the New York Post. They have a very moving video. Pig buried for 45 days. Um, pig buried for 45 days after earthquake in China. That's some pig. A trapped two-year-old sow in Ludig, China, survived off 
corn kernels and rainwater for a month and a half following a devastated September 5th earthquake. See how farmers rescued the resilient pig, used a chainsaw to slice into the collapsed bamboo roof, imprisoning the animal. So let's take a look at the video. So there they are with the chainsaw. Let's see what they find. Oh, look at that. Little guy, little gal. She's a sow, so a woman pig. Zhu, a two-year-old sow, was trapped on her collapsed bamboo roof. After a deadly earthquake shook southwest China on September 5th. The pink porker lived off corn scraps and rainwater for 45 days. That's one lucky oinker. And then she's being fed. So it's terrible that she was caught there for 45 days. But within the terrible, it's actually kind of a happy story. It's a very happy story. It's a very happy story, right? She's alive. This is the best kind of terrible there is. Yeah, terrible with a happy ending. Yeah. That's amazing. That's, amazing. Uh, that's a lot of days to be trapped like that. 45. It's a month and 15 days. Can you imagine yeah. a whole month and a half, basically? Just thank God for the kernels. Thank and God. Rainwater. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if, if she had been stuck in another spot, who's to say what kind of food options there would have been? Yeah. Really, she, she scored. Oink, oink, babe. As A.C. Slater used to say to Jesse Spano on uh, Dave by the <laughs> Bell. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Well, they we had a were, weird dynamic, those two. Yeah, they really did. I identified with her, though, because I was a big feminist. Really? She was, that's right. She She's was very a political. She felt bad about coming from slave-owning stock. That's right. And she apologized traders. to Lisa Turtle. Yeah. She apologized to Lisa Turtle, whose parents, yeah. whose, whose, whose ancestors were part of the Underground Railroad. And yeah. Jesse revealed that her family was were slave owners and traders. And then she apologized to Lisa and offered to, like, um, to shovel her snow. Uh, which is kind of a nice way of enacting reparations. Uh, yeah, look, and th- that episode is where millions of young American teens learned about the history of slavery in this country and yeah. uh, and racial injustice. Not only that, they learned about Native American history because Zach, Zach was befriended a, yes, right. a Native American. I don't know if he was a relative or just became a mentor. But he no, he found Zach Zach Morris, like blonde haired uh, Aryan Zach Morris, found out that he had Native American ancestry. He met with a Native man who told him about his ancestors. Right, and then yeah. he tragically, spoiler alert, died. Right? Oh, Katie, don't ruin it. Don't ruin it for right. people. All right, we can bleep That's, that out. Yeah. Just bleep it out. Yeah, I'll just say it's good. Let's just say it's good thing he met him when he did. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah. And he put he had a headdress on. It was very. I'm sure that they consulted with a lot of the elders for that episode by the way did you see a few years ago jimmy fallon did a re- did like a reunion on his show with uh with most of the cast members no. except for dustin diamond who played screech who died of cancer right who, who recently passed away but it's actually a really funny reboot uh oh cool watch it it's really really funny like everyone's in it except for screech and uh it was great it's really funny yeah. oh, okay we'll watch it yeah i love saved by the bell me too. As you a might lot be able of to great tell. lessons. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, we we do have it. We do have this. Okay. Let's try to get on. Let's try to get on one of the cast members. We could do a yeah. say by the Seriously. Uh, episode. Yeah. All right. Well, um, on a different note, we're going to turn now to our guest. Kit Clarenberg is a journalist for the Gray Zone. Uh, he runs a Gray Zone UK section, and he's had a lot of material to work with recently, including many leaks that show a deep British government role 
in the Ukraine proxy war. And we're going to talk to him about that and many other interesting topics. All right, let's go to Kit Clarenberg. Kit Clarenberg, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. A lot to talk to you about. Let's start with the controversy over FTX, this multi-billion dollar crypto company collapsing after you know, major financial malfeasance is exposed. And there's been a lot of talk about uh, FTX's ties to Ukraine uh, and allegations of using Ukraine for laundering. Uh, you looked into this for a brand new piece in the gray zone. What did you find? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing to say is that, that you know, people are charging off in a number of directions related to um, FTX's relationship with the government of Ukraine. Um, the the evidence, you know, yeah, far beyond the evidence. I think that's really unhelpful because it's allowing, you know, detractors and war propagandists to kill this story out of the gate. And it is, mm. you know, it, it, it is significant. There is major cause for concern. There are serious questions to be asked. Um, so essentially. In March, it uh, it was announced, March 14th, it was announced that the government of Ukraine, specifically its digital transformation um, department, which played a pivotal role in getting the grey zone disinvited from uh, the web summit in Lisbon. And I think you found your, your, your cost, my dear friend. But like, right. essentially, yeah, essentially, this uh, it, it, it was a platform whereby crypto donators could provide funds to the government of Ukraine. They would go to FTX that would convert it into fiat currency, i.e. cash, and it would be sent to the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense. This was on the, on March 14th. Now, on April, April 1st, this website that was set up specifically to uh, attract donations, it was called Aid for Ukraine, it was part of the uh, Ukrainian government's official website. Um, that it stated on the 1st of April that it had received 70 million in donations. Now, five days later on April 6th, this is revised down to 60 million. That's already, if, if the initial figure was sincere, that's 10 million that's just gone missing, um, you know, bizarrely. Um, but then, yeah, so it, effectively, uh, this was to raise money for uh, you know, weaponry and fuel and rations and radio equipment and all you know, all the kind of uh, mod cons you would require to, you know, fight a war one way or another. Um, it, it, you know, after this initial fanfare, it kind of goes quiet for a bit, but, you know, the website still remains um, extant and, you know, seemingly um, accepting donations. On, on October 26th, the web, the web page is deleted um, and then it, it, for no apparent reason, uh, it's then replaced by a standalone website, which still has the, uh, the Ukrainian government's imprimatur. Um, and then it, but it just it, it mimics what was deleted. So it states that over 60 million was raised and it has a list of different cryptocurrencies you can um, donate in and you know, details of how you can do this. Um, I mean, why this happened at that point isn't clear. And this is this is particularly um, suspicious or at least questionable because there are numerous statements in the public domain from Bitcoin bros and Ukrainian government officials who were involved in this initiative where they state that only 60 million was raised. And they refer to how FTX only played a role in March in terms of converting Bitcoin donations into currency, uh, physical currency. So what was this site doing between the end of March when all of this money was allegedly made and November when this new site is created? 
uh, that's not clear. And yeah, that that yeah, that's something to be uh, you know investigated. And, and yes, there are there are questions to be answered. I mean, aside, entirely aside from the question of why the initial donation total was revised down from seventy million to sixty million, it, it, it seems, or at least it's claimed on on both the webpage and the the new standalone website that this was put towards yes all of these different resources including one of the biggest single ticket items was five and a half million that was spent on a anti-war media campaign i mean you know again uh quite what why kiev would need uh, such a large pot of money when the western media is doing that job for them itself isn't clear and just to explain something you referenced where the gray zone got canceled, Max Blumenthal and I were invited to this conference called Web Summit in uh, Lisbon, a big tech media conference. And then the Ukrainian government, including the minister you mentioned, and also the office of the first lady, so the, the president's office, basically, uh, pressured them to cancel us. And so we got canceled. And that was too bad. But anyway, and overall, just, you know, for people to understand what happened with FTX, as I understand it, they took their client's money, invested it in another firm that they owned and lost a lot of money there and then now don't have the reserves to cover their losses. Is, is that basically what happened? Yeah, in effect. So um, it, it seems, and this is, I mean, it's, it's it's interesting that the Ukraine angle hasn't appeared despite the kind of minute by minute granular coverage of, of, you know, of, of FTX's collapse in the, in the mainstream media. So in effect, it, 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 it seems that um, you know, yeah, like FTX was, um, or at least um, Sam Bankman-Fried, its 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 rather rather young founder, was skimming money um, out of F- FTX via a a bespokely created backdoor, which meant that he could take this money out without it being detected by auditors or it showing up on his balance sheet. And um, so when it was reported that uh, FTX had a very close relationship with Alameda Research, which is another company founded by um, Bankman Freed, which is this um, uh, online asset trading uh, platform, which doesn't seem to have done very well um, since he created it. Um, This created a run, i.e. a mass withdrawal of customer funds. On you know from from the platform, um, they didn't have the underlying assets to redeem those withdrawals. So uh, then the the value of its if its underlying uh, cryptocurrency FTT crashed, and uh, yes, it it, it 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 was a kind of a Lehman Brothers moment where you know the, these the uh, this this large business one of you know one of the largest cryptocurrency exchanges in the world didn't actually have the money it claimed on its balance sheet um where it's gone is a mystery and no one knows and then you have the fact that uh, FTX and its founder uh, Sam Bankman-Fried that's his name SBF were giving yes. millions of dollars to the Democratic Party was a, like a top Democratic Party donor yeah, I, I mean, and, and I mean, this is again, it's a kind of a Rosetta Stone here. So, um, Bank, Bankman Freed, um, his mother, who is like this Harvard academic, in 2018, kind of midway through 2018, she creates a, um, a super PAC, you know, super BAC, which is to raise money for uh, Democratic candidates. And they use, um, you know, supposedly high tech analytics to identify uh, people running. Um, in less obvious marginal seats where, you know, extra, extra dollars would make, you know, a big difference. And you know, so, you know, they had that, that's launched. They seem to get a lot of money from Silicon Valley investors. Um, Samuel himself 
in early 2019 in April, uh, which is, you know, right when Biden announces his presidential campaign, could be a coincidence, could be not, um, start, you know, starts, uh, you know, launches FTX and then immediately starts funneling money to uh, democratic causes. Um, and, you know, he has no background in political donations. He has no background in political activism at all. And this is, you know, regarded in the media as, as this, this, this amazing transformation. Fast forward to uh, October of this year, and you know, by this point, he's become the Democrats' second biggest donor, giving them tens of millions of dollars. And you know, even um, suggesting in June, after a series of high-level meetings with White House advisors, that he's going to give up to a billion to ensure the Democrats win the 2024 presidential election. In, in mid-October, he uh, reverse ferrets, he changes his mind completely. And he not only says that the, uh, the $1 billion pledge was dumb, and it was him being inconsistent with messaging, but he also says that he's going to stop political uh, donations altogether. This is very odd. Um, it doesn't really make sense. And then, you know, it's about, it's it's only a few days after that, where he um, it's announced that the uh, Texan financial authorities are going to start investigating FTX for potentially illegal activity in terms of what they're selling. Um, you know, maybe he saw something coming which other people didn't know at the time. And this thing about the deleted web page for aid for Ukraine, is that significant? I mean, it's it, as you write about, a identical page was created right afterwards. The fact that the original aid for Ukraine crypto page was deleted, does that does that indicate something? Yeah, and it's like I mean, you know, and I mentioned just now, like the the the, you know, the, the, the tax and financial authorities uh, announced on October twenty first that they're going to start probing more deeply um, what's been going on at FTX. Um, it's five days after that that Aid for Ukraine, as a as a web page within the Ukrainian government's you know, official website, is closed down. It's deleted. Uh, all the records are purged. Um, and in its place is a standalone website that um, you know is, is established, which is almost identical. That's on November first. Now, you know, why would this happen? Particularly if you know, according to Ukrainian government officials and um, uh, uh, you know, uh, crypto experts who are involved in this, um, that it hasn't been receiving donations since March. Like, you know, why would you suddenly create a new website if it's not operational and you're not using FTX services? Were the Ukrainians told something? Was this actually always intended, I mean, FTX, uh, intended as a uh, money laundering scheme to funnel money towards democratic campaigns? If that's the case, the announcement um, of a official investigation into its activities, which generated very little press coverage, would have set off alarm bells in Washington and Kiev. Um, so it, maybe it was felt, well, we need to start a new organization which, you know, and therefore, you know, destroy the records associated with his previous incarnation. Again, when, it's not clear, but there's, there is, there's something afoot. How did you start looking into this, by the way? I mean, you know, I mean, as I say, you know, the FTX scandal has been covered, you know, minute by minute. Um, and you know, I, 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 I saw some people posting on social media about how I had connections to Ukraine. Um, you know, I, I, I started delving into that, and then, you know, because I'm very sad and live on my own, I, I spent a lot of time going over internet archives of the original site. There, are, it just, you know, 
every single pathway I went down just raised further questions. It, 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 it gave further cause for concern. It just doesn't make sense. And it's like, yes, you know, this, this resource, which allegedly only operated um, up to April, but then has been open to donations the whole time with, with cryptocurrency, the cryptocurrency community, quote unquote, being encouraged to donate, but then we don't know um, how much has actually been donated. And there's also this issue as well where, yes, like Sam Bankman-Fried allegedly used this backdoor to, uh, to move around money without anyone noticing. The first kind of point of call in the blockchain uh, between crypto donations and uh, the Ukrainian uh, Ministry of Defense was FTX. What were funds reaching there and then being you know, hoovered up and, and moved elsewhere for other purposes? That's not clear. It needs the question needs to be asked and answers need to be given. I mean, look, it's a kind of thing where, as you say, people could be drawing too much from this that it, it's not as sinister as it may appear. But I mean, fundamentally, though, we know that FTX is shady. That's been confirmed. We also know that Ukraine has been a hub of money laundering and corruption uh, for a long time, um, even well before uh, this war broke out. So I, I think it's it's totally fair at least to be asking questions about what was going on here, given already FTX's role in, in documented fraud. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like, you know, the Ukrainian government, um, they, you know, there have been numerous reports um, in, you know, they, uh, recently, even in the mainstream about how, I mean, CBS published a documentary that was uh, that, that exposed how 30, only 30% of the weapons that are, you know, this kind of you know, ever voluminous, you know, you know, multi-billion per week weapon shipments from, from Western countries, mainly the US, is actually reaching the front line. And then due to backlash, they retracted and they, you know, offered an amendment which said that like, oh, well, actually now controls are, are tighter. Uh, you know, there are US military officials in Ukraine now who are in, you know, ostensibly ensuring that everything reaches the front line. I mean, quite how they would be able to offer that certainty isn't clear whether they have you know other uh, agendas in, you know, in their presence there you know that's likewise far from clear but it's it, you know it it, it, it it has been confirmed that you know that you know, that weaponry and other um uh you know humanitarian aid quote unquote that's been sent that's been sent to ukraine has been sold from the black market uh, among the buyers are the russian military you know in some cases with this you know high-tech web, uh, missile um, equipment being sold so yeah i mean that there is a very clear need to ask questions about to what purposes this money was put um you know what was an eye being kept on how much money was donated via aid for ukraine um would the ukrainian government itself have any idea um the true sums involved and whether ftx was being open and honest with them about how much it was sending on um but this is completely absent from mainstream media coverage completely well, you have another piece, uh, leaked documents, British spies constructing secret terror army in Ukraine. Uh, tell us about what you found during this uh, investigation. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I, 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 I mean, this is an extension of an earlier article which covered how um, Britain mapped out, uh, you know, high-level British intelligence officers mapped out the uh, destruction of Kerch Bridge in April, i.e. many months before it actually happened. But, like, I mean, I, I see this as kind of interrelated to questions of, of Ukrainian corruption because these individuals, I mean, which includes, you know, former high-ranking MI6, Britain's Foreign Intelligence Service um, operatives and um, members 
members of you know elite British military intelligence units like special security military intelligence. Um, it does what it says on the label. Um, you know that they uh, are involved in what is essentially this kind of um, orgiastic grift, like where like you know they, they are seeking to profit from the war um, however they can. I mean you know there are war profiteers and there are war crimes profiteers, and so they put together back in April a wide-ranging plan of sabotage and you know kind of incendiary you know, terrorist acts um in and around Crimea we have seen some of these play out like you know the destruction of the Kerch Bridge attack on Russian shipping in the Black Sea um you know uh, you know, uh, uh, you know other incursions you know of, of that manner uh, which have occurred in the past few weeks now these individuals when they talk privately thinking that no one's going to see what they say because they use these broton mail they always talk about their their need to be properly remunerated for what it is they're doing and how much money is is uh sloshing around in the private space and oh will uncle sam pay for this etc you know i mean they just they just want to line their own pockets while the ukrainians are being killed uh, you know, you know uh, extremely unsavory characters to say the least. But yes, I mean, the the, um, the, the most my most recent article for Grey Zone delves into how this this kind of transnational criminal intelligence network, um, you know, for want of a better phrase, they are building a secret terror, partisan terror army um, in Ukraine. This is run out of the Odessa um, SBU, that's the security service of Ukraine. It's Odessa offices, and they are providing um, bespoke training to, yes, what they call a partisan army who is going to live in and amongst the people and arrange and, and execute uh, all manner of, kind of in, a murderous skullduggery. Um, and, you know, and yes, you, you, it, uh, the assumption, I, I, I think, from the papers was that Ukrainians aren't, the, 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 the formal Ukrainian army would be finished by this point. That, like, I mean, there's a uh, a sit rep that's written up by um this this representative in an organization called prevail part and sit rep means i was i mean yeah a situational report yeah sorry uh but they're like you know they're, it's written up by this company called prevail partners that are all you know high-ranking special uk special forces royal marines and they they effectively talk about how you know a lot of untrained men aged from 18 to you know the early, the early 60s i think are being sent to the front line with the you know pretty much pretty much 100 percent certainty that most of them won't be coming back ever um, and will be killed very, very quickly. And so this partisan army would allow, um, well, theoretically, Ukraine to carry on prosecuting its proxy war through the medium of you know, you know tiny secret 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 cells um which you know on you know, operate clandestinely by night and they carry out sabotage um you know disrupting uh you know uh, russian war logistics uh you know it's it's fantasy really i think this is you know a bunch of people who probably never fought fought in wars or at least in wars like this before you know with a um you know a, you know, a direct competitor um you know living out their fantasies it's it, it's really quite disturbing and these leaks you got uh these are the emails of some of these contractors and they include people who have worked for british military intelligence um talk to us about you know what these leaks are and you know we should say we don't know where they came from right so these could have been hacked emails for all we know uh but they've been authenticated in fact um Max Blumenthal called one of the people involved uh, who was involved in a plot to 
blow up the Kerch Bridge, which Ukraine recently attacked. And what you obtained was these blueprints for how that attack could be played out, which we'll talk about shortly. But the point is, at least one of the participants has confirmed the authenticity of these emails that you were leaked. Yes, I mean, I mean this is just a really quite extraordinary call um, where uh, he, uh, the, the, uh, the, the individual who mapped this all out and he called it audacious plans for targeting Kerch Bridge um, you know, ums and errs and stutters and stammers and um, says that he can't quite confirm, uh, you know, their authenticity until he speaks to Chris Donnelly, which is the, the former NATO advisor and, yes, like high-ranking British military intelligence official who commissioned this, you know, in other words, uh, confirming that he that he did produce this, to say nothing of the metadata, naming him solely as the author of the of, of these blueprints. But, yeah, I mean, yes, we, we, we don't know where they came from, we can confirm their authenticity through various means. We have done, and yeah, I mean, again, it's just this kind of uh, the, the all these people who are so far away from the front line and are not going to be, I mean, apart from maybe economically due to sanctions, affected by the war at all, who are throwing um, Ukrainians into harm's way with all of you know all of these yes. Um, you know, rather, you know, rather crazy proposals to take out Russian shipping, to uh, sabotage Russian shipbuilding and ship repair facilities to carry out intelligence operations, recruiting people who work work at these facilities. I mean, you know, the bombing of, of Kerch Bridge, it seems that that plan had numerous different underlying um, operational exactitudes in the sense that it shifted from what Hugh Ward proposed Hugh Ward being the individual, the uh, British Army veteran who uh, stung by Max uh, quite so um, epically, uh, you know, he proposed blowing up the pillars of Kerch Bridge. Now, the commemorative postage stamp of the actual Kerch bombing shows pretty much what he proposed. So, I mean, you know, it was, and it was given that it was issued within hours of this happening, it was clearly prepared in advance. Now, um, they then moved on to a separate plan, which was again hatched by Prevail Partners, whereby a ship full of ammonium nitrate would be detonated under Kerch Bridge. And they approvingly cited uh, the Beirut uh, port blast, um, which caused mass environmental destruction, killed you know, a large number of people um, you know, as a model to follow. In its stead, they, they seem to have settled on um, employing a truck driver to ferry ammonium nitrate to the bridge and then detonating it remotely without the truck driver themselves knowing this is a long-standing British intelligence tactic that was used in their Northern Irish Dirty War, uh, where they would uh, strap people in cars and then under coercion force them to drive into British military checkpoints, killing civilians and military officers alike, and then therefore justifying brutal crackdowns on the province's Catholic population. Um, you know, it sounds it, to it, me it, like it sounds to me like a sounds to me like a proxy war. <laughs> if yeah, uh, indeed, British indeed. operatives are drawing up these detailed plans to commit um attacks inside of Ukraine against civilian infrastructure uh in a bid to actually escalate the war. It sounds to me like this is a proxy war. <laughs> Indeed, indeed, and it's like, and I think that that's one of the one of the things that's very clear from the from the leaked emails uh, that Grayson received is that there is a uh, that like like apparently at least initially after the, the war broke out on February twenty fourth there was an initial reluctance to hire 
private sector actors for training uh, purposes, perhaps because it, it would be easier for them to be exposed, perhaps because it was feared that they would you know, go beyond acceptable boundaries um, in terms of what they were doing. I mean, yeah, that the and you can see why it was necessary to keep this so secret because if you know it being open and overt about this, I mean, Britain would have no recourse to the allegation that it is a uh, you know an active belligerent in this war because it is mapping out and you know potentially carrying out um, specific dedicated operations on behalf of Kiev. And you know, therefore, it becomes you know an active participant rather than simply providing support. And you know, the the tragedy of plots like this is that these UK operatives who helped design plans to blow up a civilian bridge in Ukraine, as you say, they don't bear the consequences. Um, so after Ukraine did ultimately attack the Kerch Bridge, and operationally, as you report. Uh, the way it occurred was different than how these UK operatives had planned it. But the fact that UK operatives were planned it shows the international role in plotting attacks like this. But then what happened afterwards? Russia responded with its worst barrage of missiles to date, hitting civilian infrastructure inside of Ukraine. And so it's Ukrainian civilians who ultimately pay the price of, you know, plots that are formulated elsewhere. And to hear the rest of the interview, please go to usefulidiots.substack.com. What an informative interview. What a scoop. Kit is a very informative guy, has gotten a lot of amazing scoops at the gray zone that, you know, I'm biased, obviously, but I think should have right. gotten way more attention. But the reason they were ignored is because they're so damning. Like, it's not good to find out from the point of view of someone who supports a proxy war in Ukraine that British operatives are heavily involved in plotting attacks and plotting to organize insurgents. So better right. to ignore that kind of stuff. And a great way to do that is you just smear the outlet. Oh, yeah. Well, hey. Then no one <laughs> even has to look at it. Even yeah, and cancel us from speaking. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. It is really amazing how people just won't engage in the content. It's just a character attack on you or Max or on the gray zone. You know, the gray zone, I've always thought the name sounds a little bit, it sounds a little bit spooky. It's not, it sounds like, a, you know, it's like maybe the name doesn't help us, but yeah, you gotta but, call it uh, black or white. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, of course, of course, that's all they can do uh, with us is just uh, uh, do character assassinations and try to get us canceled. And it, you know, look, they, they've had some success, but anybody who's intellectually serious will look past all that and just focus on the content, whether the content is factual or not, because that's what journalism is basically about. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for watching. Make sure you join our Substack at usefulidiots.substack.com where we'll bring you our Thursday throwdown. Also an extended interview with Kit, which you'll love. And also Aaron's going to talk a little bit about getting canceled uh, from a conference in Lisbon. Every week, another cancellation story. There's, it never ends. So yes, happy to talk about that. Subscribe at youtube.com slash usefulidiots. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and rate and review us. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Hello, thank you so much for listening to and watching Useful Idiots. For full episodes and extended interviews, please subscribe at usefulidiots.substack.com. You can subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash usefulidiots for clips, live streams, and full episodes. Also subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at usefulidiotpod and use the hashtag usefulidiotspod. Join us Mondays at 10 a.m. for the Useful Idiots Monday morning show where we discuss the Sunday morning news shows so you don't have to watch them. 